Initiative Podcast, volume number two, issue number 89. I am DM Vin, sitting alongside DM Will. Hey, what's up? <laughs> and <laughs> making this first... Yeah, well, Bismarcky in the house! Yeah. <laughs> first, and uh, making his first time guest appearance from the forums, the, from the RFI community, always our gaming community, is DM Dwayne. Hey guys, what's up? He is part of the actual play podcast for Marvel with... Uh, and the last one we did too, right? Yeah, you were. Yeah. So he's sitting in as a guest star this week to uh, talk about all the D&D goodness of First Edition and how much we all love it. Definitely. So, Dwayne, why don't you tell us a little bit about your gaming uh, past and what you've been doing? I, um, well, my gaming past, I, I gamed for, from the late 80s up until probably about 96 when I graduated high school, then joined the Navy, and uh, kind of been out of gaming until a little over a year ago, until I found this podcast... And then the forums, and um, got myself a group and running a, a 1E group for about a year now. Awesome. Um, we're get, yeah, we're getting ready to finish up the campaign um, where the Mind Flayers are raising Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that'll, that'll start jumping off here in a couple weeks again. We take a couple weeks off. And last yeah. night I played in the Marvel game. So, yeah. Yeah, we got our Marvel game going on, our actual play Marvel game. If you go to the website, there's that little graphic up there of Professor X, and it says, TSR's Marvel Superheroes. So you can listen in and just to see how Marvel superheroes are played if you've never played the game and you get an idea. It's a little percentile rolling on a chart, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely is. Will, have you played uh, Marvel superheroes at all? I played Marvel superheroes back in the day when it first came out, and uh, you all know I'm old school. I know I'm certain everyone's played Villains and Vigilantes. Oh, yeah, I love that game too, yeah. And honestly, I think Villains and Vigilantes, I started in either, I think it was 79. 1979, yeah. I believe it came out, wasn't it? 79? It was around the same time that Basic D&D was uh, out and hot. Yeah. yeah, that's when I first played. I think that's when I played my first superhero game, and that was, yeah, 79, I believe it was, Villains and Vigilantes. And I'm going to tell you, I fell in love with that game. I, I love Villains and Vigilantes. Then I moved on to, uh, I tried DC Heroes out. Then I tried Marvel. Mm. And I'm not to offend anyone, but I didn't care for those two. But I tell you, I like Champions, Mutants, and Masterminds. I love those games. Yeah. I do have to say the Marvel superhero game can be lent to any type of genre to play because we were making up G.I. Joe characters and Transformer characters and anything you could think of could pretty much fit with the Marvel Universe. It's not oh, that yes. hard. I totally agree with that and that's one thing. It's funny how you mentioned that again and that's something I mentioned in the forums before. I am shocked that they have never ever, as far as I'm concerned, I have never ever seen a G.I. Joe, you know, uh, RPG wow, game of yeah. that nature. I'm, 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 you know, Transformers, I, I can't tell you how that would, that would do. Uh, I know they never did it either. I don't know what Hasbro's... I don't think Hasbro likes RPGs, even though they bought Wizards of the Coast. I don't think they really put too much effort into it. Well, who has the rights to a G.I. Joe? Hasbro? Yeah, Hasbro. Wow, that's shocking. I'm surprised no one took the initiative to actually make an RPG out of that. Because I, and, you know, even then, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Sergeant Rock. And if you're into comic books, you'll yeah. remember Sergeant Rock. Yeah, yeah, I remember Sergeant Rock, yep. 
I, I could see an RPG out of that too as well. But then again, you know, it's just one of those things. Like I said, wishful thinking. I don't know who owns the rights to Sergeant Rock right now. Well, that would have to be the comic book people because the, I, I can't even remember if he was Marvel DC. He was yeah. Marvel, wasn't he? I think he was Marvel, but I don't even know if Marvel has the rights to him anymore. Wow. I, you know, that's something I have to look up sometime. Yeah, because that was cool, that comic. I remember that comic. Oh, yeah. I, I, Sergeant Rock was good to go. Definitely. Well, this is not a comic podcast. We'll talk about that later. So, <laughs> we can start talking about Donald Duck and all those little comic books. Yeah, you mean Howard the Duck. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's dump right into sage advice. Sage advice. All right, sage advice this week. If you'd like to write in, you go to RFI staff at gmail dot com, or you can dial in at five seven zero eight six five forty two ten the RFI hotline. We have our first email this week comes from Josh. Josh has to say, he recently got into AD&D through a good friend of his, and then he ran into the podcast when he was looking through D&D in, the, in iTunes. Cool, thank you. So he's been listening to the show here and there, cherry-picking, listening to this, listening to that, going back and forth. And then he, he says that he, he does, from his point of view, he doesn't agree with everything of the mechanics of 4th edition, and he doesn't really like the edition that shall not be named, which is kind of odd because he comes from the newer generation, the younger kids. So, any guess us concerning 4th edition those other editions? How do you guys handle perception checks or hidden clues to aid the players during an adventure? I wanted to know. Thank you. Cheers. Keep it up. Thank you. Josh. What do you do, Will? You're asking me what I can do? No, what would you do to answer his question? Ooh, that's a tough one. It's not perception check. You can do a number of things. You can do a D6. For a well, check, you could do a perception check for wisdom. Well, see, I, when I look at perception, it's kind of funny and everything. Yeah, you know, a six-sided would do or a 20-sided do, and you can base it. You know, uh, I look at stats, and I think, like, what would perception fall under? Would it fall under intelligence, or would it fall on wisdom? Or could it fall under both of them and then take the average? You see where I'm coming from. Yeah. So take your intelligence and take the wisdom, add them together, divide that by two, and that's what you want to roll. You would roll under, yeah, right? Yeah, un- under it normally. Or roll over. Well, if you're taking the two of them dividing in half, you're going to get a number between 1 and 20, so you're going to want to roll under it. Yeah, you want to roll under to be successful and everything. So, no, that'd be a high number, so I have to take a look at it. So it, it just depends on the various. And the reason I say use intelligence, wisdom, wisdom, you know, that that that, that I think that's where perception will kind of fall on, on that. But the intelligence portion will also come into where they would have, um, no, you would roll over. You would roll over. Yeah, you're going to do over? Yeah, you're going to roll over because if he has an 18 intelligence, but he has a a, a, a 10 um, wisdom, you see where I'm coming from? So you would roll over. It would roll just like you're doing like a successful attack. So it's roll over, my friend. I was thinking about it as we're talking. But yeah, that's what I would do. The intelligence no. portion will give him the uh, the clue bit. To, you know, that would you're be actually, a clue and everything. You're actually, if you're rolling over, you're punishing a person for having higher stats then. You want to roll, well, you want to roll if, under, dude. Now, this is the case. Now, in a case like that now, what you would do is is, is then, well, that's if they have high stats, 18 wisdom, 18 uh, uh, intelligence and everything, yeah, they would need like an 18 or better. But then you would assign pluses to it as well, too, because if they have a plus to their intelligence uh, and then a plus because of wisdom, remember, uh, intelligence, they, don't they get a plus? 
yeah. So, wisdom, they get a plus two. But if yeah. you if you get say you got a player who has a ten intelligence, and he has an eighteen wisdom, so you got twenty eight there. You can divide that in half, and you're gonna get fourteen. Yeah. So you're gonna want to roll lower than a fourteen to get your perception check. I guess you could do it higher than fourteen, but I guess whatever six doesn't have the other. That, that's an interesting thing there. No, that's interesting how to think about that because I would really have to look into it because I don't, I don't want to... The perception's very difficult in, in still in a game like this. Now, there's another way you can do it. Is let's say you take your intelligence and your wisdom, uh, add them together, divide by two, then multiply by three or multiply by four, and that will give you a percentile chance. Yeah. Then you use percentile dice to roll either high or low, however you want to dictate I keep it simple. I just take the wisdom, have him roll 3d6, try to get on it. If it's really hard, I'll do 4d6, roll under the number of your wisdom. And that's acceptable, too, as yeah. well. I'm just trying to find multiple ways and everything. Yeah. I was thinking of Call of Cthulhu as far as the perception was concerned. What about you, Dwayne? What would you try to do? Um, I'm a big fan of the d6s. It just depends if it's a... You're a bell curve. Yeah. yeah, if it's a... If it's a um, like a cleric, wisdom, if it's a magic, like magical runes or something that a magic user's... Uh, trying to notice or going to notice an intelligence, um, or just okay. sometimes as simple as just uh, just one d six, and if they get a one or a two, depending on what they're looking for or what they don't know they're looking for. I see. You're um, keeping it simple and basing it on the class. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I try to keep as much math out of my game as I can. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Thanks, Josh. Next one comes from John. Uh, this one's in reference to our desert uh, setting or jungle setting or land of the lost episode we did. He wants to note that X4 was a desert-centered module as well as a sequel X5 that we mentioned. And he wants to say to us he doesn't really think that B4 The Lost City is a very valuable desert resource because his argument is the module takes place underground or inside a pyramid and has no rules or encounters that are really desert-related. So one really couldn't say it's set in a jungle. I mean, you could say the pyramid's in a jungle if you want based on the Mayan myth, but... Not really. It's not really going to help you out. He said another basic D&D product you look at is the Gazetteer number three. I don't know if you guys have that one or not. I know I don't. No, I don't. Yeah, I do. I do have it. The Emirates of Yel... I'm not even pronouncing Yelrum. I don't yes. know. I'm butchering it, I know. But yeah, he said that's another good resource. So, okay, cool. Thank you, John. Thanks, yeah, John. That that is an excellent resource, and yeah, I'm just going to say one thing about that, the B4 module and everything. You know, to a certain degree, yeah, he is correct, because the Lost City, the module specifically deals with a Lost City, and the uh, traversing into the desert and everything is really very, very uh, a minor issue in this in, in, in B4. B4 and B5 have been one of my two favorite modules for some reason. I like the, the, the desert, the pyramid, and I like the, uh, was it Horror on the Hill? I like those two. Yeah, see, I, I'm a big fan of uh, uh, the Pharaoh series, I3, I4, I5. That, that is probably my most favorite uh, desert, you know, dungeons. Uh, speaking of I5, I got it at Half Price Books the other day for four ninety nine. Uh, you got a good deal on it, that's for yeah. sure. I snatched it right up. It was right in the plastic wrapping, too. I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Last email comes in from Ethan. He wants to say thanks for a great podcast. And second, he went to his local gaming store today, Game Empire in San Diego. And lo and behold, there were the classic 1E reprint books. By the way, they're out. Yes, if you haven't noticed by now. So by the time this comes out, be old news. He's talking about the book, how they're fancy bindings, slick paper with gold edging. 
The contexts are exactly the replicas of the one books. He said, uh, apparently they've been issued, these books have been issued to raise money for the Garrick's Memorial. So he immediately purchased the player's handbook and he's getting the other two soon. Do you know how long these have been out and how long they'll be available? Any other information? As far as I know and what we read, these are going to be a one-time shot limited edition of the books. I don't know how many they're printing. Do you remember how much they said, Will? Was it like 10,000? Well, you know what? I can't even recall if they ever mention a, a number or what have you and everything, but I do know they were officially released in my area on the 17th of this month. And the sales were doing poor over there, right? Oh, yeah. It was absolutely pathetic. As a matter of fact, I went to the gaming store just a couple of days ago and everything, and of course, all the, the special orders are slowly, but slowly, you know, depleting everything, and they're gone. But the same four sets that have been out since day one are still on the shelves. Yeah, so all the I know you come from a big old school gaming area too, so I'm surprised. Well, see, that's what the deal is. There, there is some old school gamers here in this area, and uh, the, uh, most of the groups here are very private, and it's usually an invitation only, and they do not advertise, you know, that they play AD and D. I wouldn't be surprised if they're closet gamers, to be honest with you. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. These are some old school people here. I know quite a few of them. They're some good friends of mine, and they're, they're very particular about who goes in their groups and everything. I happen to run one of those groups. I'm one of the first edition groups. Uh, I know uh, four or five other first edition groups here and they got five six people in each group they're just very particular who goes there well yeah i don't blame them you gotta it takes a certain type of intelligence to play first edition anyway so not just a normal person can play it in my opinion right (laughs) no i'm I'm, I'm not joking i mean you have to have some a head on your shoulders to think fast and play the game without thinking about rules so yeah you can't be aim over attentive you can't be i mean it's supposed to be free form you know go have fun you're there to roll dice not there say like oh it's this and that and this and that oh i got no time for all that mess as far as i know these books are just being printed this one time only i don't know what wizards of the coast is doing after that they may look at the sales and decide to print more or they may just say hey that's what you guys get have a nice day that's gonna be sad if they stop at those three well, as long as, I mean, they could release the whole series of 1E books if you want. Maybe some Monster Manual 2 would be kind of cool to see again. And uh, Fiend Folio. Right, right. I don't know, maybe the Unearthed Arcana, maybe. I'm looking at the books on my shelf. Um, that's about it. I mean, I don't think there's any need for the Desert Survival Guide or the Wilderness Survival Guide. No one ever uses those. No, all the yeah, copies I've seen of those that. are brand new anyways. Yeah, any, yeah, you're right. Any copy I've ever seen in half price books looks almost brand new. So I don't th- I don't even think I've ever cracked them open except for the show. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, cool. So write in rfistaffgmail.com or you can phone in 570-865-4210. And we'll head into our first segment of the night where we table manners. Typical of all the evil creatures in the world. I like to find one with table manners. And what are you kidding me? I spent years cultivating the worst table manners on the planet. Table manners. All right, on today's table manners, we're going to talk about another controversial subject. And that is how to play player characters, uh, well, how to play evil player characters perfectly yeah Yeah, perfectly yeah yeah. (laughs) one more time will one more time there's a lot of there's a lot of p's in there i was trying to figure out how to do it right and everything how to play evil player characters perfect no try again (laughs) (laughs) how to play the perfect evil pc there you go is that how you said that okay well you know how it is i like to say pp oh you know how it goes 
Yeah, you know, Seven Piece. Was that the Seven Piece how it goes? Yeah, pretty much. And how to design evil adventures. And talk, we'll talk about a little bit about evil alignments again. Okay. So, Okay, so being this a controversial subject, I first want to make a, a, a disclaimer out there that anything that comes out of my soup cooler, which is my mouth and everything, it does not represent you know any of the ideas and anything, any of the words and thoughts of the other people on the podcast. So if you have a problem with what I say, please address me and do not address the others. Uh, was well, that good? No, it doesn't really matter. I mean, anything you say on this show, you you speak for the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, anyway, here we go. go this is what the deal is. When we talk about evil player characters, and I want people to understand where I come from on this background. I've been doing this stuff for 37 plus years. Uh, evil characters, I, I honestly do not feel that anyone can actually play a character evil. I just, I just cannot grab that concept. It's just not physically possible for someone to play an evil PC perfectly. It just, it just, I can't understand. And let me tell you why I base that on. Okay, first, let me, let me base it on this, that one, we're not evil generally. So, tend we're just good people. And so, to play role or a role play an evil character, it takes a lot more than an imagination, I think. I think it takes practice. And how does someone practice being evil? Well, they actually have to live that kind of life. That's how I personally feel about it. Love so, so, I mean, I'm, like I said, yeah. I don't think that I, as a player, even though I've done this for 37 years and I play by the book, and I definitely have a unique certainty about how alignments are interpreted, I do not honestly feel that I can ever play an evil character to the T. Therefore, no, nah, it, it can't happen. I just I just do not think it happened. And they give you a prime example. Mm-hmm. In 37 years, I've only played one evil character. It was a lawful evil character. One. Why did I choose Lawful Evil? Because Lawful Evil seemed to be the easiest evil character to play. It really yeah. did. It just takes basically being evil inside of the laws, so... Well, yeah, you, you know, it's funny because when when you st- when I started with Greyhawk, people have to understand, well, gamers in general, when you st- played Greyhawk, you, you played in a specific uh, country, or not a country, or a county, however you want to call it, with a region. That's yeah, region. Word, region. Right. When you are in a region, that region has its own set laws. Yeah. If you're lawful evil in a lawful evil region, there are set laws. So you approve of slavery and all that other blah, blah, blah stuff. Now, when that lawful evil character goes into another region, that lawful evil character is not going to go there and try and change the laws you know, and, and, and all that because he's, he's not in his homeland. He, you know, I just don't see that happening. He's still going to respect the laws of the other region he's in, even though he despises them and dislikes them. Yeah. That's my whole point on playing evil character. Now, I'm not going to go into chaotic evil and neutral evil and all that other stuff. And I prefer lawful evil. And it's funny because in Pathfinder, they made a Pathfinder series of adventures. Uh, I'm trying to tell you what it's called. Uh, Second Darkness, where... It would be a prerequisite for the party members to be evil. Right. And in that case, they would would rather be lawful evil. Why? I'm going to tell you why I like lawful evil. One, they're order. It's, it's, it's very orderly mm-hmm. for an alignment, if you understand what I get. Right, yeah. That's, you know, you can talk about the nine hells and the devils because they're based on lawful evil society or a lawful evil mentality or whatever the case may be. Well, However... There is order. There is, and you know, with that, the the weak suffer and the strong survive, and all that other stuff. That's that lawful evil mentality. Hmm. Uh, they always keep. The, uh, I don't think they lie. They always, you know, maintain true to their contracts. When you do a contract with a lawful evil individual, they'll stick to that contract. Yes. I like that. 
they're bound to the contract because, yeah, they're lawful evil. And as long as you have a contract with a lawful evil thing or person or player character or whatever, I like that idea. So, but, so if, if, if a person is to play perfectly a evil NPC or a PC in that case, I would first think that that person would have to get with the DM and say first, what does this evil alignment mean? How does that apply to me as a player? How can I play it properly without messing it up? Mm. That's kind I mean, of... It's difficult. Yeah. Everyone's going to have their own particular opinion, like, well, this is what lawful is, this is what chaotic evil is, and this is what neutral evil is. But let me tell you something. Yeah. Go to Drag Magazine. Oh, okay. Okay. And I mean, there is a plethora. I don't really like that word. I'm not, there's a whole bunch of Dragon Magazines <laughs> that cover evil and how to do evil characters and how to do evil alignments. And just a couple of them. Just a, uh, it will. Number Huh? Just to interrupt you real quick here a second. Right. I also right. notice when you play evil characters and say your other people don't, a lot of people in the group that are playing you know good characters and you're an evil, they kind of take offense if you pull evil action against them. I've noticed in my gaming history, playing with people, like if I backstab someone or stole their goal or something, they really get upset. Have you noticed that in your in, in gaming all the years? You, you only played one evil PC, but... Oh, no, 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 no. This is absolutely perfect. Good question. I have had neutral good thieves, you know, steal loot. That's what thieves do. They right. steal. But you see and so if they go into a room and they disarm, if they find a trap, they disarm the trap. And if they find loot, I don't see nothing evil with them taking a, a portion of that treasure for themselves specific. That does not make them selfish. That is not an evil act. Like, for example, I had a character I was in the game and I was playing with two of my good friends. And my character was, was evil. He was chaotic evil. Uh, no, sorry. He was neutral evil. I apologize. And... My guy, being as evil as he could and do, trying to get to promote himself, went and struck a pact with the big bad guy, secretly. And then when it came out that I was trying to gain power and control the group, one of my friends who happened to be the target of it got all annoyed and wouldn't talk to me for the rest of the night. <laughs> well, let me tell you what. He is a poor player, and I'm going to tell you yeah. why. Because, one, he used above-board knowledge to dictate his actions, his attitude toward you. And that is the hardest thing with playing. And I think that's the reason why a lot of people won't play thieves openly as they should be played. Yeah. So what the best thing to do is how to solve a problem like that, my friend, just to be honest with you, simply slip a note to the DM saying, uh, when I am alone and I find treasure, I'm going to snatch some of it. Yeah, you could set it up with your DM on the side before the game. Listen, I'm playing a thief, and if there's any chance that I'm going to be alone to snatch some gold, I want to do it so the rest of the players don't know. And the DM can work with you. And there it goes. And then what he does is he does the roles behind the, the screen, and he keeps track of those notes. Once the session's over, then you he'll give you the list of all the stuff that you have. Yeah, and he'll even let you know if you got caught, too, right exactly. then and there. Like, oh, by the way, John, you happen to notice... Tim's character rummaged around your bag in the middle of the night. Sorry, you rolled too low. I apologize. Well, now, now see, now, that's a terrible thing. Now, if you're stealing actually from players, <laughs> with your hands cut off. Well, some but, players do it as evil characters, so I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the issue with the evilness and everything. And I'll get back to Dragon Magazines a little later. And, and like I said, I honestly could never play an evil character to the T because I am truly just a good person by heart, even though some people don't think I am. I'm not a horrible human being. I'm actually oh, wow. I'm a very honorable person, and oh, I like to play good characters. 
My evil PC, you know, another thing that's really evil to do is when one of my players fell into a pit. I should say one of my party members fell into a pit, and he fell into some spikes, but he lived. So we tossed a rope down, and one of my friends was trying to pull him up, but he didn't have enough strength. So he's like, come on, you got to help. And I'm like, no, I don't want to help. Why, what, what am I going to get out of it? So he's just like, come on, help, and, you know, we'll give you some more gold. I was like, okay, fine. So I'm in the back behind the fighter pulling up. <laughs> this guy. So in the middle of it, I decided, hmm, what would be entertaining and evil? So I cut the rope in between the two of us with my dagger, <laughs> and he, the fighter went flying into the pit too because <laughs> of all the you know the, the the pressure of the person. I went, oh my god, the rope broke. <laughs> no, I can deal with that. I mean, that, that and if a neutral evil character will probably do that, but a chaotic evil one would do it just as much. I'd probably do it twice in a row anyway. I was bored, and my character decided we didn't really want to do this, so we decided to say, oops, the rope broke. And you know what? You just made another good point there about, you know, you didn't want to do this anymore. And I think that's an issue with with, 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 with some players is that, you know, they play an evil character just to be different and just to cause trouble. I'm not saying that you, that was your goal, but just to create, you know, more tension in the party. And, and, and again, then... No, I meant I my character, to, I, I was bored as in the character didn't want to do that helping act. Right. Not bored as yeah. it was bored in the game. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying, but I'm oh, just okay. using that as an example why oh, some people yeah. do play evil characters. And like I said, we're trying to find a way to perfect it. Well, you know, honestly, I really cannot have an answer for that because there's no way. I mean, it's, it's, it's impossible to have an evil character in a party work together with good people to get a goal accomplished without it, there being some type of tension. If there is no tension, then they're playing it wrong, plain and simple. Well, an evil PC can be in a party very easily by just saying, all right, they're there because they're, they have their own hidden goal of getting as much gold as they can. Or when it comes to getting that artifact, they're going to try to, you know, backstab the party, grab it and run. So they'll pretend to be a goody two-shoe up until the point. Yeah, I mean, I can see that to a certain extent, but eventually you ha a DM will have to adjudicate whether or not he is playing his alignment properly. And, and that's that's why it's very important that when someone plays an evil alignment, make sure you choose the right one. In a case like a lawful evil alignment, definitely. I would have a lawful evil character in my party any time, but there would be a contract before he would adventure with the party. And as long as he maintains that contract, he's playing within his alignment, then you're good. The issues are the neutral evil and the chaotic evil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just, I'm laughing because I just thought of a, uh, another story about how I, how I kind of screwed the same player over the one that fell in the pit. Uh, this is the same guy. We used to always torture this guy in the group, and I happened to be my neutral evil character, and he picked this time a lawful good character, not a paladin. He was just a fighter. So he was getting on my nerves with all his lawful goodness and everything. So when the party split, it was me and him. <laughs> yeah. And what happened is we went into this room, and I locked him in the closet because I, I told him there was a monster in the closet, so he stupidly he went in there to find out. I locked him in the closet. I took a lantern and threw it on and left him to burn inside the closet. Yeah, you was mean. You should have been chaotic evil. <laughs> that sounds like a chaotic evil kind of guy. No, I was, uh, that was neutral evil. I was just trying to get rid of my competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think, Dwayne? I mean, honestly, how do you feel about playing an evil PC? Yeah, I, I never have. Um, I've been reading... Um, a lot of the Ravenloft books um, lately, like I Strahd. Yo, and, good uh, book, yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of good, um, I guess, discussion mm -hmm. in, in there and uh, how to play evil, lawful evil. Watching how Strahd and uh, Azalin or Zalin 
play off each other. Like that's how two lawful evil um, people can actually work together, uh, not necessarily toward a common goal, but and get along with each other. Oh, yeah. I want to play an evil character because I've always played lawful good characters. <laughs> so I think it'd be it'd be nice to play the opposite. Um, actually, this is funny because a couple weeks ago uh, in my one E game. Uh, the party got attacked by a mist elemental, and it turned two of the PCs to chaotic evil. Oh, cool! And the one thing was just the the, the one character, the ranger, was just standing there, and then the fighter uh, decided that the most chaotic evil thing he could do was kill the ranger. So they <laughs> almost killed each other, um, and then that was the third character that the guy playing the ranger had to roll up that day. <laughs> so you know, it's even better this, the follow up to that book, uh, the I Stride, the, the War of. Um... War against uh, Isalan. Yeah. yeah, that book is yeah. good because it shows how paranoid someone evil is and how much he thinks some people are trying to kill him left and right. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I look towards like uh, fiction for anything because I don't. I mean, I, I was a bad guy for a little while, but I wasn't that bad. I wasn't evil. I was just nuts. Yeah. Um, so I, I just don't. You were chaotic neutral. No, I was. I was. I guess you could. <laughs> I don't know. But so so I don't know how to play the the only and the only examples of evil I I know are right. what I see on television. Right. Um, yeah. So so I I want to. I really do want to play. I'd like to play an assassin or something because because that's the most anti paladin thing I could do besides yeah. being anti paladin. Well, but yeah. So speaking of playing it, well, you said you had some dragon magazines you want to look into. Yeah, there's a couple things. Now, I, I want to mention one thing while you all brought up Ice Strahd and, and all that oh, other stuff yeah, and everything. Sure. Yeah. I just watched that Sherlock Holmes movie, his latest one. Uh, oh, yeah, number uh, two, yeah. You, I, I mean, Professor Moriarty, that bad boy was evil in that movie. Yeah, he was. He, uh, that was an impressive... I mean, you couldn't have got better than that. Uh, that was just impressive. I, I credit that actor for the role was excellent. I thought, if you can define evil, watch that movie because that defined it. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah, that guy was awesome. Yeah, so I was looking at Dragon Magazines, and I said, like, you know, I'm not going to cover all these Dragon Magazines. I'm just going to cover a couple of them because, I mean, we're talking about, you know, first edition. Yeah. First edition, number 26, Dragon Magazine, another view of the nine-point alignment scheme. I think that's a good one. Number 60, Dragon Magazine, uh, covered alignment, and it's a new review of the nine philosophies. So they had uh, 26 and 60. Uh, I found number 57, a pretty interesting one, which is Play a Villain, an Evil Idea. That was an interesting uh, article. Uh, Number 45, How to Have a Good Time Being Evil. So that's kind of weird how you have a uh, – uh, you know, I want you to understand that I did not read these. I know what they are. I read them before. I'm not going to cover what they're about, but I'm just going to name some of them. Uh, number 28 was evil, law versus chaos, and how it works as uh, on that part of the, of the axis, the law versus the chaos. Right, yeah. Uh, number 300. Now, we're talking about later edition, levels of evil in a campaign. I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Number 38, where someone brought up paladins, but I think someone also mentioned anti-paladins. Good isn't stupid, and it covers lawful good paladins and rangers. And I think that's a that's an issue from the other side of the spectrum on, on how people play lawful stupid, as they call it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number 51, it is not easy being good. I think that's a very interesting article. And then, of course, number 39 covers the anti-paladin. And, and just to get, cover that real quick, like, I am not a fan of the anti-paladin. I, I do not think that this should be a, a complete opposite of another character it's that wasn't really meant to be a pc class anyway so it was right, always right. meant to yeah, be right. an npc class 
I think they should have gave it a different type of name instead of calling it an anti-paladin. What they should have done said a paladin that, you know, loses his alignment or loses his paladinhood should be called something else. Forward, you yeah. know, whether it be a black guard or whatever they want to call it, or, you know, some other thing. I just didn't like the word anti in front of it because it made it seem like there's an opposite of uh, to a, a reaction. I didn't like that. That's my only personal opinion about that. I think maybe fallen paladin might have been a better word for it, maybe. That could be a good one then, but I, uh, uh, it's kind of weird in how I look at these kind of things because when I look at a fallen paladin, there's a chance for redemption, and that's another good one. I saw that number 306, which covers redemption and temptation, which I think that's what the whole issue is about, and, and the article there was betraying your betraying your evil nature, and that was a very interesting article that, that was worth looking into, so yeah, it all depends, and then we have to discuss like the items that turn, you know, your alignments automatically into evil or the opposite, you know, all these things that could be part of a game, and then you're wondering, I was lawful good the whole, say, let's say you was playing a paladin, and you found that, that what is that, that, that helm of alignment change? Yes. And he puts that bad boy on, and his alignment changes to evil. Well, there's got to be some serious discussion on that, because now... He's lawful evil, for example, yeah. turns to lawful evil, I believe he does. I can't remember right now for the life of me, but anyway... I think it's the exact opposite... Uh, I, I shouldn't say lawful. He probably turns chaotic evil if he's lawful good. This is I, the exact opposite in the axis. I believe that's what it was. I, I don't got the DMG in front of me. It is yeah. here, but I didn't look. But... What does a DM do now? What's the player going to do now? How are they going to play this? Yeah, how do you explain to a player, listen, sorry, your paladin doesn't have the abilities anymore, and now you're chaotic evil? Yeah, now you're an NPC. So uh, that's another thing, that once a paladin becomes uh, an anti-paladin, it becomes an NPC pretty much. I mean, it's just one of those things. It's just one of those things. I would think when a paladin loses his ability like that, he would just become a regular fighter that's chaotic evil. And I would let the player play the chaotic evil and try to play it out. Yes, and that's where the redemption portion comes in. So not on top of the, the, the venture. So then now it's up to that player to think like, well, you used to be lawful good. You were so good at two shoes. Now you got to be bad at two shoes now. How are you going to play this character? How, and, how does that affect the current adventure? Yeah. What will goals be now? And how do you, do you give the player, uh, let's see, negatives on things because they're not playing their alignment correctly? Or do you give them a little slack because they didn't want to play that to begin with? Whoa. That's a, it, it really, it's an issue. I mean, according to the rules of the book, if you're not playing your alignment properly, you get penalized. That's right. And how much more can you be penalized? I mean, how can you penalize an evil character if they're not evil enough? That's the, how, how can you penalize them? See, that's my whole If you've got a chaotic evil character doing lawful good things, obviously he's not playing the alignment right. Well, you know with level loss in the game, I'm sorry, with alignment change in game, there's also level loss. You know that, right? Yeah, I don't really use level loss, been, though. Was it level loss, or was it that, yeah, I, I got to retake a look at that thing and everything. Yeah. And they can only, yeah, I got to check into that. That's that's really interesting to look into those things. So, but to get back on subject, though, how can you play a, a PC as an evil character perfectly? I know I said it backwards again, but that's okay. But <laughs> like I said, I still, I still can't do it. That's why I can't say it like that, because I can't comprehend it. It's I just do not think it's something that's feasible. We can't play Darth Vader. No. If you play a Star Wars game, you, no one would be able to play Darth Vader. Well, you could. Could? I, yeah, I could play Darth Vader. It's not that hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, Darth Vader's more of not... He's not really an evil, psychotic person. He's just an evil person that wants to dominate the world, that's all. Or the universe, I should say. 
So he's not really crazy evil. He's more like uh, a lawful evil because he follows the, the laws of the Empire. Right, right. And he follows the dark side, whatever they feel, so... Yeah, I mean, so this is something that, you know, this 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 is where a, a good DM comes in and says, this is how I'm going to adjudicate. And, and, and to play an evil PC, I think you need to have a DM that, that spells out, this is what lawful evil, lawful evil is, this is what I expect, and it does the same thing for chaotic evil and neutral yeah. evil. If you're, you have a game and you're playing lawful evil, and you have your character that's doing things with, say we define it as lawful evil is doing working evil within the laws of the land wherever you currently are. Let's say a player is working within those guidelines. They do something here and there. I would consider they're playing their alignment fine and leave them alone. Correct? Yeah, I could, I could deal with that and everything. Yeah. And neutral evil, we'll just say we'll define it as promoting oneself no matter what the goals are of the party and trying to get around, trying to screw the party left and right. Right. So if you have a player that's, you know, with the party, playing the role, and every once in a while stealing gold or stealing artifacts or whatever from the group and making deals with, you know, shady people on the side, then, you know, fine, they're playing their alignment fine. They're at least trying to play their alignment fine. I will let right. them slide. Well, I could tell you this, though. If, if you really want a great resource on a lawful evil region, and I mean in phenomenal detail, and, and, and I, I'm going to resort back to Pathfinder because oh, yeah. there's a place called uh, Chelix. Yeah, Chelix, yep. And I'm going to tell you something. That place, I mean, it, it, you if you read the, the uh, supplement for that book on Chelix, you're going to find out how the Chelixian Empire is and how they made their deals with Asmodeus and everything because that's who they uh, pay their homage to. Homage to is to Asmodeus, of course, lawful evil devil, the, the overlord, the archdevil of, of the nine hells. And look at how their society is run. Yeah. It's very impressive how that how Pathfinder has taken that lawful evil alignment and did what it did. And of course, then it does it deals with the other. Uh, there's some other supplements for the other your regions that are either neutral evil or chaotic evil in, in reference. But if you really want a good background on on a lawful or, or an evil region, go to Pathfinder. Oh yeah, definitely. But now understand that I am by the book. Yeah. I am literal by the book when it comes to alignments. Some people are not as literal as I am. And <laughs> I think, like I said, I have a unique certainty of how I feel the uh, right. equal alignment should be run. But you at least lay it on the table for the person. You have to. Right, you do. You have to lay out. And you, that applies even to the good alignments. Right, you at least lay things out on the table. You're, I'm by the book. This is how I play it. So the players know in the group... I know how to play the character because this is how Will wants it, so this is how we're going to play it. He's the DM. But you know what? And just as a reference point for first edition, if you go into the first edition, I believe it's the first edition DMG that has the example of all nine character classes or nine alignments in a party. Yeah, they do, yeah. Okay. And how they react to the uh, the Shimmera that's attacking. They're attacking a Shimmera or something, I believe. Of oh, the Chimera? Yeah, they're attacking that? Yeah. Oh, you say Chimera. Oh, okay, potatoes, potatoes. Oh, yeah, bro. whatever, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But that is a very good example. I mean, cut and dry. It's cut and dry. That's a cut and dry. That's that's just cookie paste. That is a cut and dry example of how each character will act in that specific example of fighting the the uh, 
Shimura Chimera, however you want to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe, that, wasn't it the neutral evil one that ran in all insanely, got turned to stone or something? I can't remember I what remember, the deal yeah. was. Or wasn't it Gorgon they was fighting? Uh-huh. I can't remember what they was fighting. But any, any, anyway, that's another cut and dry example of how a, 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 an alignment or a, a, a character will act in a, in, a, in, a, in a situation with all night alignments in a party. I thought it was a pretty good example. One of the reasons why I like first edition a lot is the fact that they leave everything up into interpretation for the person. Yes. There's no like, okay, here is the rule. You are lawful evil. So in this paragraph, we will define what exactly you have to be like. They give you what it should be like, and you interpret it from there as the DM and player. That's it. Yeah. What do you feel, Dwayne? Dwayne? Um, yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. I was coughing, sorry. Oh. <laughs> uh, just what, about, about how a DM to run... Uh, yeah, what do, how do you feel about the alignments? You know, I, I think except for, like, in the strictest sense, you know, like a, a paladin or something, um, or even uh, a druid, I, I give a lot of leeway with how people play in my group, how they play their alignments. Um, but if... I, I had a guy playing a paladin, and he was... The, probably the best example of a paladin, even in real life, um, he's just one of those guys, just good guy. Um, I and my wife and, and another friend of ours, they both play druids, and they play that true neutral really, really well. That's and the, yeah, that's it. Just I, those are the only two classes that I expect people to actually play their alignment dead on. I, I, I let I let people you you know have some free will with the other stuff a little bit. But if you're gonna, if, if you want to play a, a paladin and get all those benefits, and if you want to play a druid and, and get those benefits, you're gonna play that alignment the way they way they are. Um, that, that's just the way I am. That could be a whole other episode talking about true neutral and how we all feel. About <laughs> oh yeah. my lord, you just have no clue what kind of worms <laughs> you're opening right now. <laughs> and then um, we actually, I the uh, well, the player who he was a monk, then a bard than a ranger and now he's a gnome illusionist thief um he he's actually playing that's the it seems that he's playing the thief the exact way a thief is supposed to be played well, he borrows him. stuff from the other players and then gives it back to him um, <laughs> you know it, it's it's like he borders on being a kender but oh. i if he even mentions that word i i'll, I'll kick him out of the group <laughs> um, you know i think kender are best fried but yeah so you know, it's I just especially because my my group has a lot of new players before, and they've they've fallen into their roles and and into their uh, alignments really really well. So I haven't had to like nudge them or anything. Right. Um, it's you know I'm, I'm lucky. Player. I'm lucky. I Your guess. wife is a new player, right? Yeah, yeah. My my wife is one of the players, and then where I'm I'm going to start teaching her how to DM because so, she wants to start DMing three E. So. Oh, three E. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she wants to start doing the third third edition just just to do something different. So, yeah, that's she, good. Y'all need to move up here and everything. We get a good game group up here together. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you live in Seattle. We live down here towards the middle of the United States. Sorry, us <laughs> well, one hundred and six degrees here in Texas today. I think today is like sixty nine, seventy degrees. All right, I'm disconnecting you, Will. <laughs> <laughs> No, actually, you brought a good point up on that, uh, the true neutral, the absolute neutral, however people want to look at and everything. And, and again, that, again, is an extremely difficult alignment to play. And But I will allow for someone to either go, when they play a true neutral, if they want to have a little bit of evil tendencies or a little bit of good tendencies to go either way, I, I, I let them do that, I think. 
it's kind of hard to play a perfect, true, neutral character. I, I just don't think there's a place for it in the game, honestly, because, I mean, if you have a group of players going into a group, I mean, into a fight, and there's more evil characters than good characters, well, the neutral person will probably get involved and say, oh, I'm going to limit some of those, take care of some of those bad guys so we can neutral them. But the moment uh, the good people outnumber the bad people, I don't think the Druid's going to sit back and say, you know what? Nah, I'm not going to help the good people anymore because everything's balanced. There, there's, it, it's, that's a very tricky thing, but I think that's, that'd be a good thing for another episode. Yeah, we did. We did. I'm looking over that we did go over how to play a druid way back in the past when uh, Jason was still hanging around here. Uh, so maybe we can revisit how to play true neutral instead of playing how to play a, pal- a paladin, <laughs> a <laughs> druid. Because in my games, I I let people play what they want essentially, but I I hate when people play a druid because it's just so hard to monitor a true neutral alignment that, like Will said, oh, you know, they have to do this or do that, so. Yeah, it's extremely, and like I said, and, and that's the issue, whether it's evil or whether it's neutral, extremely difficult to uh, to uh, really get a good grasp on. And I, I, like I said, it's just one of those things there where someone has to get in there and, and, and set it down in paper and say, this is how it's going to be. We got to, I usually, if I want someone to play a druid and they want to play that bad enough, I would say to them to pick a, a good alignment or an evil alignment for a druid. I, yeah. I just... It's just too too much on a DM. If you must worry about so many things to worry about true neutral, forget about it. Right. Well, like I said, again, the the, the uh, player, you know, that wants to play an evil character or that that, new, that true neutral character, they have to sit down privately, one-on-one, and say, this is the rules. This is how it's going to be. And then, you know, there'll be time where the DM might say, like, well, can you justify why you would do that as a druid? Or why can you tell me or justify why you would do that as an evil character? You know, you know one-on-one so that there's you know that everyone understands one another and how they expect each other to play that alignment yeah not saying that evil people can't play good people you can no yeah that's true all right so what about designing evil adventures for evil people as a dm sitting down you're gonna say you're gonna have an adventure of all evil characters one day you decide screw it let's play something different everybody's gonna be an evil alignment how are we gonna design an adventure for that have you ever done that, Will? Uh, no, I have never designed an adventure where I've required everyone to be evil, but I did, pl- I did host uh, Second Darkness, which is a Pathfinder adventure path. Mm-hmm. And uh, Now, people don't necessarily have to be evil, but it, it, the, the adventure would be more successful if the, evil, if the player characters are evil because they're infiltrating an evil society and, in order to destroy their plans, which is really interesting. I, I, that is one of the, the best written adventure paths ever and probably the best uh, adventure ever written where you can have an evil party go in there and actually do something good. I think any module would kind of work with the right tinkering for an evil party. So say you have an adventure to go save the kingdom from this or that. Well, an evil party is not just going to go, haha, I'm going to go out there and save it. They're going to say, well, how much are you going to give me? is going to be their first thought. How much am I going to... What am I getting out of this? So you have to kind of tinker the adventure to tailor to an evil character. Right. You have to think like they think. So uh, let's say a priest requires you to go find this holy artifact to save the land from this and that. Well, the evil party is going to be like, well, why do we have to do it? What do we get out of this? Well, maybe the priest will offer them 
free heals from now on or something. Something will catch their eye. has to be something valuable enough for an evil character to do it and enough to keep them on track. Because once they start getting beat up, they're going to be like, you know what, screw this, I'm out of here. Yeah, I agree to that. Uh, against the Giants would be a good one where you don't have to change nothing. Yeah. Because the Giants, their, their eventual goal is to overrun the lands. Well, if you have an evil region that's neighboring this area, they say, like, we're not going to let these puny little old giants overrun our land. So they'll send in an evil party there to wipe out all the evil giants and, and their leadership and everything so that the evil region does not get impacted by their attacks. See what I'm saying? Exactly. Or i just just thinking of hooks and adventures right now. I'm just thinking, all right, you have an evil party. You make a sandbox area, and you let the party travel where they want to. Let's say they wind up in a village. What is an evil party who's going to do in the first thing they get into a village? Try to take things over, try to steal as much as possible, and try to intimidate the, the village. What happens when you intimidate a village of a kingdom? Well, obviously, yeah. the lord of the land is going to start sending in his, his guards to find out what's going on. So now you have the lord of the land sending in guards to attack or find out what's going on. The PCs beat up on the guards. The guards return. Then you have this whole big thing going on. Yep. That's another, like, a little, if you want a sandbox, or the PCs are traveling through the forest, they find, uh, let's see, a, a horde of monsters that are neutral alignment, for example, and they decide, you know what, well, we don't like them, so we're going to wipe out their whole entire race there. They can go and just wipe <laughs> them all out, steal their resources. There's so many things you can do with evil characters that you don't realize. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Like I said, if, if people can find fun in playing evil characters, I wish them the best of luck. Uh, my experience over the years, it doesn't last too long. Like I said, the only time it did was when we did the Second Darkness Adventure Path, and uh, that was extremely amazing. How about if you did, like, a Spelljammer-type evil adventure? What about that, Will? Ooh, Lord. <laughs> that, that's a tough one right there. You know, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Spelljammer was the last thing on my mind, actually. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking, I was looking at Ravenloft, yeah. I was looking at Mystera, I was looking at all that stuff, and you're going to talk about Spelljam, and I'm thinking, like, ooh, how it, would I do that? Yeah, it's it's something to think of. I was <laughs> happy to look at the box set that's sitting on my shelf I got the other day for uh, nine bucks, so. Oh, that's good. Yeah, Matt found it at Half Price Books for me. Well, I can tell you right now, I mean, there's a lot of evil things in Spelljammer, and namely, I'm talking about, like, Mind Flayers. But yeah, I tell you, it's, it's just uh, anything can be used. You're just going to have to create something. And it has to make somewhat sense and everything. Like I said, that would be a difficult one with the spell gem part, though. You think so? Oh, yeah. What do you think, Dwayne? Um, see, I, I, I think any adventure can be an evil adventure. It's just the motives of the party and maybe some of the reactions of the NPCs. Um, you know, because like low-level stuff, it's all going to be about killing monsters and taking their stuff. It's just maybe at some point the PCs are trying to build their own army. As they, if you want to make it like a long campaign out of it, um, the PCs are going to be building their own party or their own followers. Um, yeah. As they go along, because but still at low level, it's still. I mean, just because somebody is just evil, they still want. I mean, probably more so, they still want gold. Or, yeah, or whatever, yeah. and um, they're still going to go after the same stuff. You know, there's there's nothing saying that a chaotic evil or a lawful evil uh, character isn't going to go try to save a princess for the gold because that puts them in a better space later on to do whatever they want to. Right. Um, you That's know. True. So I just now a spell jammer thing. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I I, I just. I don't know. I, I I like Spelljammer. I haven't played it enough. But a, I think any campaign world, any campaign setting, 
um, or any adventure can be an evil adventure. You just sometimes you have to tweak more than others, but but I think it's all it's all possible to do. Well, see, here's, here's a story time here again for me. Uh, <laughs> my last group when I was in Pennsylvania before I moved here, we were playing, and we always wound up playing evil-type characters. No matter what alignment, no matter what we did, the characters always eventually became evil. And I, it was because the group played chaotic neutral all the time, that's why. Like, that's why I can't stand that alignment, because they soured it on me, but what they would do through the adventure was we'd go around, we'd go around, collect as much gold, and fight as much things as we could, until we got to about 4th or 5th level, and then we would start taking over towns, and building, like Dwayne said, building an army, building followers, convincing people that we're the right way to go, massing this amount of army so that we can go take over the large kingdom. It always amounted to that in every game, it seemed like. But that's what mostly evil characters are going to do. Will? Yes? What do you think? <laughs> I think you're right. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I'm trying not to say as much anymore. I'm letting y'all speak now. Well, don't you have to read out of a book? Is it a time for that? No, I ain't reading out no book today. Oh, okay. Well, I could if you want me to tell you what lawful evil is in alignment and how I play by the book. No, I ain't doing that and everything. <laughs> Remember, Will, line for line, word for word. Uh, I'm not really good at that. <laughs> anyway, okay, cool. Uh, let's tell you what you... Th I'll tell you, yeah. You tell us what you think. <laughs> there we go. No, don't, t don't say it like that. Tell them. I challenge you. Tell them that All way. right, fine. Per will, I challenge you. Tell us. To tell <laughs> us. Yeah, do do your best macho man impersonation. Go ahead. No, uh, I can't do that. That's not me that does that. I don't speak like him. All right, do your best King Kong Bundy. Oh, no, no, I'd be yelling on that bad boy. That bad boy's loud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to yell and bust people's eardrums on here. King Kong Bundy is just, a, he's just loud. Fine. What you going to do... When these 26-inch pythons come running <laughs> over you, brother. Anyway, we challenge you. Yeah, like Will says, we challenge you to tell us how to play evil PCs and how to play them correctly. Or what yeah, tell, if you think I'm wrong, please, I want to hear it. I want to hear how oh, yes. wrong I am. We want to hear what you think how Will is wrong, too. So, Yes. <laughs> Dwayne especially is on the edge of his seat waiting. I'm that waiting email. to find out find somebody to tell Will that he's wrong. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to tell Will he's wrong, too. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I don't mind that. RFS I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I cannot play an evil character perfect, and I'm definitely not perfect in life. That'd be... <laughs> yeah. We love you, Will. <laughs> staff at gmail.com, 570-865-4210, the hotline. And let's head into Creature Feature Theater. All right, uh, this week we're going to be talking about the Leprechaun. Um, now, let me preface this by saying I've never ran a Leprechaun in a game before. Um, I never quite thought about them. Um, I've always thought them to be more chaotic, but according to this, they're neutral. Yeah. They only have they have a uh, hit dice, two to five hit points. Um, they don't cause any damage. Um but they do have some really neat special abilities and special attacks that can, uh, if a party of yours is getting out of hand, you can use these to kind of probably bring them under control again, um, or at least for some comic relief. They have the ability to uh, become in invisible at will. 
They can polymorph non-living objects at will, create illusions at will, and use ventriloquism as uh, will as many times as they want and many times a day. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they can. They're 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 uncommon. Uh, they're usually found in uh, foresty green lands. You know, basically, if you put in your mind what you think Ireland looks like. Yes, that's probably what they're gonna. Um, be, and that's the easiest way, you know. Um, maybe the Dale Lands, um, some of the lusher, l- the lusher parts of oh, of of uh, the Flaness or, or something like that. They, that's where they're gonna be found. Um, let's see here. They they have they their keen ears prevent them from being surprised. So it doesn't matter how sneaky that thief of yours is. Won't be able to surprise him. In fact, it dep- that that thief probably is going to get himself in a lot of trouble trying to steal something from a leprechaun. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, they're they're small. They say that they are a cross between a halfling and a pixie. <laughs> um, and I know Will loves pixies a yes, lot. He does. <laughs> That's his favorite race of all time. It is. It is his favorite. Oh, um, let's see. Uh, according and now, I am going to read out of the book. Uh, this is the Monsters Manual page 60 mm-hmm. um, the top right corner in fact they're actually stealing one of the words off the page um, they say being, being full of mischief, mischief they will often 75% chance snatch valuable objects from persons turn invisible and dash away <laughs> so that artifact or whatever that your party just spent the last two months rescuing from some evil dragon the leprechaun will come steal and run away with Oh yeah, and then there, there's there. I mean, if you just need to change a pace, that 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 can be a whole adventure, right there, trying to chase uh, chase down this leprechaun. Um, yeah. Let's see. It's also a good DM control tool if you got a player that's abusing some magical items. Yeah, yeah, I I might actually use this because I gave one <laughs> I gave my mag user a ring of shooting stars and I want him to go away with it. So I think <laughs> I think this might be coming up in the in the future for my uh, party. Hope they don't listen. No, um, no, I don't think he does actually. Oh. Well, he should. Yeah, yeah, he should. Um, they, they don't cause any damage uh, from their attack. Um, does, they don't use weapons; they're true neutral. Um, so they they could they could be a friend of the party, or they could be a I wouldn't even call it an enemy, just um, an annoyance to the party. Um, the, just I w- I would play these how people play Kender um, because I think this is more like um, that. You know that that action because I, I don't I don't like the people I don't like the way people play Kender. But if you're going to call him a leprechaun, <laughs> that's that's different because I think that's what a leprechaun's supposed to do. Um, any, anything you've seen in the cartoons or in the movies probably is is right. Uh, other than that evil bastard leprechaun. Um, <laughs> oh well, now let me tell you. When you bring that, that I, 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 I'm gonna tell you. I, I thought I, I saw that that movie is just horrible. That movie is just horrible. <laughs> I looked at it. What's his name? Is that is that Willow? Uh, I don't know. Honestly, I think the guy that did Leprechaun is also the one that did Willow, the Peck. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's who it was. And and uh, what's his name? Warwick. That was his name. Warwick. And that's oh, that yeah. actor's name and everything. But it's funny that when you look in the monster manual, and if you look at the picture of the Leprechaun, you see him up there that he's addressing the word Lucrata. Yeah. Yeah. See that how he kind of he's taking it and messing it up and everything, yeah. You know I don't like that neutral thing. I don't like that neutral alignment thing. So with 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 these things here, I've seen over the years, I've seen the you know leprechauns either you have a a good tendency or more an evil tendencies. They uh, speaking about the movie, you said they are actually doing a remake of the movie in the next year. 
I just found out the other day. Oh, man. They're using the little guy from the, uh, the WWE wrestling, Hornswoggle. I don't know if anyone's a wrestling fan. You're out there. You know what I'm talking about. He's going to be starring as the new Re- Leprechaun. Wow. But uh, yeah, I always oh. see Leprechauns as being this little evil mischief uh, nuisance to the group. So that's why I kind of was like, doing the notes. I was like, you know, Leprechaun would be kind of perfect with p- evil PC talk. And uh, it's always a good DM tool, too. Yeah. These of these monsters. Very good DM tool, in my opinion. Just like you said, you give a player something, and sometimes you regret giving players something because they abuse it. And it's it's a crappy DM move to take it away from them, but sometimes it's what you have to do to make things go back on track and fair. So, so I have a question, though. What? Do they eat Lucky Charms? Oh, well... <laughs> Now, you know, it's real funny that when you look at these things here, and, it's, and, and uh, you did bring it up, but I think, did you see here that it says that their keen, I'm reading from the book now, Uh-oh. their keen ears prevent them from being surprised. Yes. yes. He said yeah. that, yeah. Wow. See, now, we just had that segment uh, last week. We was, ta- was it last week we was talking about surprise? Uh, yes. I think that was the last time. Yeah, but see right there? Now you have a creature that cannot, by the book, says cannot be surprised. So, yeah, he's someone that can't be surprised no matter what. Wow. So my question is now, I mean, well, now we talk about leprechauns and the pot of gold. I'm not mixing nothing up and everything. And I'm not sure if that's where they, they – I don't know if Gary Gygax based these leprechauns off those leprechauns and everything and <laughs> four-leaf clovers and all that. My question is, what if you did steal their pot of gold? Would they turn vicious and, and villainous like that one that's on that Warwick Davis did on that leprechaun movie? I would think so. Yeah, it, um, you know, it doesn't even say how they're going to react if you take it. They just say that they're going to try everything they can to to mislead you and, and lie to you. So and you I just, take something. I just thought of something actually. How you can surprise a leprechaun? How's that? A cone of silence, a silence spell. I think so. They, they have a now. How how would their magic resistance um, affect that? Because they have eighty percent magic resistance. Well, you'd have but to that's roll. That's right. You still have to roll with the magic resistance, but. Let's say you fail that role, that there's a way to surprise yeah, a yeah. leprechaun. Um, they, they also say that they have a great fondness for wine, for wine, and that that, the, that weakness can be used to outwit them. So, it almost sounds like they're uh, they sound like they made them like a Mixoplex character from Superman. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me because they say you can outwit them, and so now you're gonna try and trick them to drinking wine. It's just funny how it all just relates together and everything. But uh, I think the Leprechaun's alignment is, I don't know about that neutral, though. That neutral just didn't sound right. I mean, Leprechauns are in the fairy family, are they not? Or a pixie family or a fae, 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 fae family? I don't know how you want to say it. But aren't they fae folk? Well, they're pixie. have pixie, obviously, because of the description. Yeah, they, Yeah. they say they have a strong strain of pixie. So. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, it just seems weird that they're neutral and everything. I, I, I don't know. It's just one of those odd things again. And so why would a leprechaun, if they have strictly neutral alignment, want to unbalance everything by messing with a party? That's the whole point that I'm trying to get again. So we're going back on the alignments again. So, right. yeah, it's, it's, if, they're, if they're mischievous and they like to party, and like I said, they are mischievous, I just don't see a neutral monster being mischievous. No, they're more like a chaotic neutral type alignment. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, like uh, gremlins. Yeah, Grem- gremlins. You know, so like gremlins. And what are those other ones? Oh, oh. I can't remember those other ones. Brownies? Brown- yeah, brownies are, yeah. Yeah, we shouldn't even brought up these little people again. I think you're trying to punish me. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was that one? The, the other one? Oh, I can't think of it. Never mind. 
It was those little creatures that rolled into a ball and they had spikes and they had teeth and everything. Oh, I can't remember. It was in the eighties. Critters, yes, critters. Oh, Man, they made like three or four movies out of it that made no sense after the first one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> There's like no reason they should have three, four, and five of those movies. Oh, anyway. Leprechaun? Oh, no, no. They shouldn't even make one. No, I meant out of the Critters movies. Oh, the Critter movies? Well, Critters and Leprechauns are in the same are in the same toilet or the same boat. Either way, they stink. Yeah, true. Oh, my Lord. Anyway. All right, cool. So, Leprechauns, uh, tell us what you think about those. You can write in. You know the email address. You can go to the website. Contact through the contact form. If you're too lazy to open up your email, uh, there's a way to do it there. <laughs> <laughs> Or you can contact us through our iPhone app if you have the iPhone app. Or I don't know if there's an Android app. There used to be an Android app. Oh yes, there is. Uh, you have to go through the uh, Amazon Market to get it. Oh, okay, um, because, cool. Yeah, it was on the uh, it was on the Android Market and then disappeared. And I had to re I had to pay another three dollars or whatever for it. Oh, but, but it's dude. well worth it. It's a great app. It has all the show notes and everything in it. So yeah. So uh, if you want to pick that up, really, it's three dollars. Yeah, well, I don't know. That I can't remember. I was gonna say we we set it to like ninety nine cents when it first came out. So really, as oh. far as I know, the price was like a dollar ninety nine or ninety nine cents. Anyway, it's well worth it if you want to listen on your iPad, your iPhone, your iPod, your iTouch, I should say. Anyway, uh, let's head into our last segment of the night. The Dragon's Horde. And the dragon's hard. Yes. So I was going to talk about a little bit. <laughs> oh, man, you're killing me. Yes, the dragon's hard. What you going to do, brother? No, anyway. Uh, get this, to the chopper. Get to the chopper now. <laughs> and orcs have pig faces. Any more catchphrases you want to say in there in this segment? No, please proceed. Clerks with blunt weapons? <laughs> Anything else? Go ahead, don't friend. split the party. Yeah, don't split the party. I'll yeah, be right back. Anyway, back on track. We're going to talk about a little bit about... Uh, we're going to mix it up a little this week. And instead of just talking about a magical item, we're going to talk about a magical spell. Especially well, since it's a dragon's horde, we're going to say the spell's on a scroll. So let's talk about the scroll of hypnotic pattern. Have you guys used this spell at all? Just quickly. You don't have to comment any more than yes or no. Will? Yes. And Dwayne? Nope. Okay. Well, basically, this is your crowd control, really cool, I'm going to take everything and tie them up so the fire can go around and stab them while they're standing there going, duh. This spell, pretty much an illusionist can do, they just have to pretty much, I think they wave their hands and not even, I'm looking at yes, somatic and, uh, yeah. So they have to wave their hand, and what it does is it creates this giant pattern of subtle colors in the air. The hypnotic pattern is kind of like if you were stoned or high on something. The characters become fascinated with it, just standing there going, whoa, man. Like, if you've seen that movie, the Land of the Dead movie, when they shoot the fireworks up in the sky and all the undead are just like, oh, wow. That'd be an example of a hypnotic pattern in the sky. Well, this can do... Uh, to see the note, this spell can capture a maximum of twenty-four levels or, or hit dice of creatures, which is kind of cool. That's a lot. Yep. So, yeah. just think if you're going with a bunch, a bunch of goblins, you just throw the second-level spell up in the air, and they're all like, "Whoa!" Yep. Obviously, they get a save, but still, two segments, casting time, and the duration based upon your level. You could tie the whole bunch of goblins up, going, "Whoa, man!" While your fighter goes around stabbing them and killing them. Any other ways you can think of using this spell, guys? 
Um, Gord Wayne. Well, <laughs> like kind of like a, kind of like you said, like a, like a diversion. Um, you know, maybe this this would be a, would be a good spill for that gnome illusionist thief in our party to learn. Um, you know, it, whether it's to in- infiltrate um, a castle that they know is well guarded, or or like you said, goblins. You know, especially something with like the lower hit dice, um, lower intelligence creatures. I think would would probably uh, really really get a kick out of this spell. I, so. I apologize. It actually lasts as long as the uh, the caster maintains it per level. I mean, per round. So he could stand there, just keep shifting his hands back and forth as long as nothing's bothering him, and keep the spell going on and on and on. So it's a three by three area, square area. It's yeah, pretty big. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I remember when I was running the Carnival Fears in uh, Ravenloft and everything. Yeah. That I uh, had the. Uh, one of the antagonists of the the bad guys used a hypnotic pattern on the player characters while they went to the carnival. And lo and behold, all the characters failed their save versus that uh, hypnotic pattern and allowed them to be, you know, discovered for who they are. And, of course, you know, they had no clue what was going on because they're not going to remember this stuff. So it was it was an issue later on. They said, "Well, how is it possible?" And I made sure that I kept track of when that time was. They they was infiltrating the carnival fair to do something, but with the hypnotic pattern that allowed them to uh, find out who they really was and say, "Oh, these guys are spying on us." No, great spell, extremely powerful though, extremely powerful. Yeah, if they fill their saving throw as player characters, they're pretty much gonna be in there as long as you want. That is correct. There's nothing and it was that only says, long enough. It was only long enough for the bad guys to find out who these PCs were, yeah. so then they weren't surprised when they tried to do everything. And so it was. It made the adventure a little longer, but it was worthwhile. But it was at the befuddlement of the players because the players could not figure out. We covered all our bases. We had everything squared. How in the world did they find out that we were the bad guys? And uh, and then when it all came to the very end and everything, then I explained to them what happened. They said, "Now we know how we we messed up." They just never t- you know put two and two together. Now this spell. Obviously, it's going to be go by interpretation here, but looking at it by the book, saving throw negates it. So does that mean one saving throw and then that's it? They're just in that as long as the person can maintain it? Or do you do every round, give them a saving throw? No, it's, it's exactly as it is. They get one saving throw for the initial. When the spell is cast, they have to make a saving throw. If they fail, they're caught in it until the illusionist or whatever stops uh, utilizing the spell. So essentially, you could say the NPC throws it, the whole party accidentally fails, they're warped into it, and you just be like, as a DM, be like, okay, all of a sudden you wake up and you notice that you, or you come back to reality and realize you're not in the same place you were. Yeah. Or you realize that you were standing in front of a castle, the castle's no longer there, you're standing looking at an ocean or something. I, I, I don't know, I, I tend to think that you might want to get a saving throw somewhere in between somewhere. Well, see, right here. Now, see, this is where it says all creatures affected must be within the area of effect. So, yeah. I mean, it's a big area. Yeah, but if you look at it, that's a 30-foot by 30-foot square area. Yeah, and right. it says that each is entitled to a saving throw. Now, you could rule that if any of the uh, mesmerized creatures are, are struck with damage of any kind, that could be enough to uh, create another uh, potential... Yeah for a saving throw, or if they're being violently jostled around, like you put them on the ground and then you attempt to tie them up, that might be, you know, grounds to, you know, uh, uh, adjudicate another saving throw. Yes. Right. But according to the book, no. There'd be, if you just strictly by the book looked at this thing, okay, you get one saving throw, that's it. That's, that's right. That's, that's it. That pretty much could be the end of your character right there. 
And believe me, that goes both ways for either the good guys oh, yeah. or the bad guys. Oh, yeah, of course. But looking at it from a player point of view, you're screwed if you fail that yeah. saving throw. Especially yeah. for a second-level spell. Yeah. I'm telling you, a lot of people overlook the Illusionist as a powerful class. It can be used really good if you pick the right spells. Especially oh, yes. with spells like Improved Phantasmal Force, which is right below it. That's yeah, now, right now, this is the key thing, though, Vince, and this is what I tell a lot of players. I'll tell you right now, I, I played the Illusionist primarily when I was a player, yeah. and I love that thing. But the, what it came down to, and, and you know, I have to give a shout-out to my friend Michael Johns in Atlanta, Georgia, because he was a DM that mentored me all these years, and he's a good guy, salt of the earth. But um, <laughs> the, the thing that's good about this whole thing about illusions are is that I have to witness that particular spell for the Improved Phantasmal Force to work. For example, if I wanted to create the illusion of a fireball, I would have have to have witnessed an actual fireball spell being cast oh, in order to use it successfully for my improved phantasmal force. Now, it says that in the description? No, no. It doesn't. But the thing is, though, because the way it sounds as far as improve it has more force with the the effects, yeah. how how else would you know unless you actually witnessed it? It would make it more believable. Now, that's why there's a big difference between improved phantasmal force and the regular phantasmal force, which lacks the the uh, the, the sounds and the and yeah. all the other stuff that comes with it, the, you know, and all that. But it's just, it's just the thought, just the thought to put out there. Well, obviously, if you're an adventurer you're going to know what a fireball is by listening to stories and hearing it. And based upon your stories, you make your own assumption what it's going to be. So, like, right. for example, perfect example, listening to this podcast, you don't know what Will looks like unless Will shows you a picture of Will. You don't know what Dwayne looks like unless you, you formulate what it looks like based upon what you hear or have heard. So you may think Will is a seven-foot-tall guy with uh, a fedora hat smoking a cigar or something. Or... <laughs> and Dwayne's this two-foot guy, you know, with club foot or something like that. And... Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was confused. Basically, he looked like that one guy. No, uh, when I saw that picture on, he told me he was that's from Office Max or whatever that show was. Office Space. Office that Space. Is no, not he doesn't look like the, he doesn't look like him, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's just an example. So that's and I, we got a way off track. We went to another spell, but anyway, that was just trying to say that with these spells, another second level spell, an illusionist is just nothing to wave a hand at. Because I know a lot of people go illusionist. <sighs> you know that would make it an excellent show just on illusionist. Yeah, I think we did do a show on Illusionist, but yeah, we could do another one. Well, I mean, we don't have to do another one. I think we should talk about the spell capabilities, which we just brought up and everything, which is real good. And again, this this goes to show with by-the-book mentality and those that are more flexible. So I'm a by-the-book type of guy, and I agree. I only brought up what my mentor told me about illusions and everything because, I mean, yeah, you're going to hear stories about what's, what something looks like. Okay, my hypnotic pattern might be different than your hypnotic pattern. I don't know what you're using to, you know, to keep these people... People in the days, but it just it's just one of those things. Every spellcaster is different. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's a thought. That's good. Hypnotic pattern is a, is, is a very powerful spell, and improved phantasmal force is also a second level spell. Very very powerful. But my point on these spells is, don't make them to where they're so powerful that you know that. I said, I mean, a third level illusionist he can kill something. Yeah, definitely. All right, so I think that's going to wrap up the show this week. Uh, it's been a nice long show. We got a good over uh, 
about an hour here going. Hour and 15 minutes worth of show, you know, probably with bumpers and everything. We're at episode number 89. We're about 11 episodes away from, well, 10 episodes away from the 100th episode of our show. A big episode. So anybody that has any ideas for the show can write in and tell us if you want to do a segment or a special song or just want to tell us about your favorite RFI moment, call us, leave a voicemail, write in. We appreciate it. It's going to be a big show. Will's going to read line for line that whole entire show. And- <laughs> nice. No, no, no. No one will listen then. Going to try to get some special guests. Maybe we'll get uh, we'll get Jason to come back for the show, and we'll have Jason and Will duke it out over who's better by the book. <laughs> oh well, let me tell you something. You know, he can say all that stuff he wants to online, but in person, he knows. I'll make sure he says that I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> will was already claiming the crown. He's thrown down the hat, saying, "I'm better." So, hey, I'm supposed to King Kong Slash. He's going to King Kong Bundy Slash him. Anyway, yeah, also funny. just want a quick note, if you head over to our website, there's an article up by Buzz, who uh, used to write for us a while back. He started writing again. It's called The Desert Fighter. Uh, I don't know where he... He put a little story in here and talked about Desert Fighter. I think it's something he designed himself. I just noticed it on the website. So uh, pretty cool. Check it out. Look for The Desert Fighter on the website and uh, give Buzz some comments on that. Five seven zero eight six five forty two ten is the hotline, and RFI staff at gmail dot com. You can write in contact form on the website, or you can go to uh, rfipodcast.com dot com to listen to the latest show. There is a link where you can find our other shows, or you can download us from iTunes. Definitely go to iTunes, leave a comment. We appreciate that. Even though we haven't been reading them lately, it's just that uh, we don't want to overshine other people. So I guess it's gonna wrap up the show. What do you guys think? Nah, it's all good. Yeah, it's, yeah, all it's, good. good. it's all good. It's all good. Hey, just, just to let y'all know, I got a Dragonflight Gaming Convention in August. It's going to be awesome. That's right. You, uh, when is that for you? The 14th, right? Uh, the 10th through the 4th. Uh, uh, 10, 11, 12. What is it? What is the 14th again? I don't know. What is that weekend of the 14th? I keep forgetting that date. Um, that's uh, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at it right now. I'm sorry. It's the 10th through the 12th. Okay, I keep thinking of the 14th. When you keep saying yeah, I don't know. I keep saying the 14th as well. I know what's wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah, the 10th through the 12th, I'll be uh, at, in, in Seattle doing the Dragonflight Game Convention. we got 17 board game events to run there. And uh, DM Matt should be back next week before his excursion over to Gen Con. Lucky guy. I can't attend this year, but, you know, Matt will be there representing. And uh, maybe he'll get some uh, sound bites for us so we can see it is. Hopefully it won't be like the last time, you know. Uh, but anyway, keep it original, keep it old school, and read line from line from the book. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, guys. All right, see everyone later. Roll for initiative.